At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Okay, we are back at it. Happy Monday, folks. Welcome into another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. You know me, Danny Burke, your host. Can always get in touch on the tweets at Danny Burke 5. Can also catch my other show, Rush Hour, on VSIN Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. But on this show, the Chicago City Cast, we will be talking a lot of Bulls, right? I mean, we got a big game to recap. From this past Saturday night, we've got a big game to look forward to this evening against Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and the whole Miami Heat crew who are now a game ahead of you in the Eastern Conference standings. Can the Bulls overcome the Heat? Can the Bulls keep it close? Can they fix their mistakes from Saturday? And can we make a profit off of it? Well, let's hope all the answers to that are yes. I got a few player props, or really more than a few, at least a few that I'm playing officially, but we'll go deeper into them just to talk about them overall, but plenty of propositions to go throughout. We'll recap the game. Like I said, we'll give an overall synopsis of the game tonight, and then we'll talk a little bit about Matt Nagy and that new move back to the Chiefs after being terminated by the Chicago Bears. So let's go ahead, though, and get things kicked off with a recap of Saturday night. Bulls falling victim to the Grizzlies again at home, 116-110. to Look, biggest takeaway I think that I had for this game, and there were several, and we'll get to all of them, but the biggest one was that you are desperately missing, and needing rather, desperately needing, Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball. If there was a game that stressed the importance of them being on the floor, it was that game. You couldn't defend the pick and roll. Io DeSumo, who's been a very trustworthy defender, he locked down Trey Young, couldn't stop John Morant. And the thing that really stunk about it more, or the most, there were a couple things. Is one, that it was a solid spot to get that revenge, and you lost. And two, you have John Morant, who is even keel in the MVP race as DeRozan in terms of odds. That doesn't mean that's actually the case in terms of voting. But in terms of odds, he comes to your house, a guy who's getting comparisons to Derrick Rose, who's having statistically a better season than Derrick Rose during his MVP campaign, and outshines everybody. You can't stop him. You can't even contain him. He goes for a career-high 46 points and outplays everybody else on that floor. Now, DeMar DeRozan had a chance to get under the limelight, and he did momentarily. And if the Bulls would have won the game on his back, 
that would have been insane. It would have been tremendous. And my goodness, I would have been feeling damn good about our MVP bets. But he didn't pick it up till the fourth quarter. This Bulls team in general didn't pick it up until the fourth quarter. You can't afford to do that on a consistent basis, especially against top-tier teams. You can't play from behind like that. You can't have your defense just be an absolute train wreck. I get that they have been regressing. I get that you're missing top guys in Caruso and Lonzo Ball on that side of the floor. But you got to figure out a solution to it. And when they were switching at the end, when Levine came on and played some good defense, it was solid and it worked. You got to exhaust a lot of energy on that side of the floor, but it was needed. And it came through when you needed it to for the most part. Aside from the fact that I will give the Bulls the benefit of the doubt in that John Morant was getting a lot of foul calls. Some were appropriate. A lot of them were kind of just BS, if I'm being quite honest with you. But that's the NBA for you. You can't complain too much about that because DeRozan gets a lot of those foul calls too let's be honest aside from that what was very frustrating and still clearly a problem is the lack of rebounding from this Bulls team not only did they just get destroyed in that column the whole game but at the end of the stretch you were letting Memphis get offensive rebound after offensive rebound that is inexcusable that cannot happen especially at that point in the game and that is why the Bulls were unable to become victorious in that matchup. They couldn't take advantage of the Grizzlies' misses. They played good defense. They got the stops. Couldn't grab the ball in their own possession. And that was a difference maker. They got out-rebounded in this game 61-41. to The fact it was even this close, 116-110 to as the final score, is just ridiculous to be quite honest. It shouldn't have been that way. That should not have been the outcome. And it looked like it was not going to be. It looked like it was Memphis all the way. But they got on a cold streak. DeRozan started figuring it out. Kobe White hit a couple of big shots. And same with uh, Zach Levine. You needed that earlier. Now look, DeRozan still has a chance to tie Michael Jordan for the most consecutive games, scoring 30 plus points. He went 10 of 29 from the floor, 2 of 2 from deep, 9 of 10 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 3 assists for 31 points. So still very solid stats from DeRozan, of course. I mean, 10 of 29, uh, not that solid. He couldn't hit anything at the beginning part of that game. But in the fourth quarter, again, when he needed to, a guy who performs exceptionally well in clutch time did it again, relatively speaking. Now, speaking of DeRozan and going on to that, Look, what hurt about DeRozan in this game, aside from the fact that he got off to that slow start. Oh, and really quick, by the way. So obviously his record that he beat Will Chamberlain with stops at eight of over 35 points and over 50% shooting. So I was going to say the one thing that hurt about DeRozan at the end was that final play, right? And I thought the play call was egregious. I, I thought that was the dumbest thing you could have done in that situation. Now, some people agree and lean toward that idea of going for two when you're down three so you could try to follow them again and hope they miss keyword hope more often than not depending on who you foul they're going to knock down the free throws my thought process is you have good three-point shooters zach levine kobe white derozan at least even hit two of his and we've seen him hit a couple of game-winning threes now with only 14 seconds left, you got to go for the three there. If there's like 20 or more seconds left, you can go for the quick two and you could try to foul. You have time to play with. Even if DeRozan got the foul called there, even if he made that bucket, then what? Maybe you're looking at eight, seven, six, five seconds, somewhere around there. It wasn't a quick thing. He went down and then he backed him up. He was taking time off the clock, which was so precious at that point. It was a dumb play call if that was the design from Billy Donovan. It was not the wisest of choices from DeMar DeRozan, if that's what he did on his own. Even if he made it, okay, you're down one, five seconds left. Say he makes both, then what, you get five seconds, and then you get a worse opportunity with limited time to tie the game. Even if he misses one, if it's the first or second, if it's the second, I couldn't recall if the Bulls had a timeout left or not, then you have to go the full length of the court regardless 
with, again, a limited amount of time. Instead of 14, it's about five seconds then because the Grizzlies are going to take even more time off inbounding the ball before you can foul them. And that's assuming you, they don't escape you and break free. So again, if you have the opportunity there to tie the game after that insurmountable comeback, and there's only 14 seconds left, my cutoff would probably be like 17, 18, maybe even at the lowest 16 seconds. But with 14 seconds left, you have the ball, you are getting momentum your way, go for the tie, man. You can't just settle for the two there. And look what happened. And people are complaining that he got hacked. And realistically, at that point in the game, you don't want to make that call if you're a ref. And he was forcing his way in. And yes, he got bodied a little bit for sure. But it was also all ball when he was actually reaching in. Guys, I wanted that win more than anybody probably to help for the Bulls' chances in general. And just MVP campaign for DeRozan. This was a huge game. And the Bulls faltered. You can't lose those games. But a terrible play design, I thought it was egregious. I thought that was really dumb out of Donovan for not having them go for the tie. They're probably going to make their free throws. And even if they don't, you only have a handful of seconds. Probably five at the most if they missed after you made it two. And maybe DeRozan misses a free throw. You never know, but you should have went for the three. That was their first mistake. It was just so disappointing because it was such a fun comeback. I was with a bunch of people who were watching, and I'm looking around. We're celebrating every single buck, and I'm like, man, I cannot remember having everybody this excited about the Bulls, let alone like a Chicago sports team since the 2016 Cubs. Everybody watching, screaming after every bucket. It was amazing, and I wanted to see it capped off with a heroic end-of-the-game performance from DeRozan, and he almost got it. But they didn't go for the three when they should have. And that was their mistake. Along with many other. Couldn't defend the pick and roll. Couldn't stop John Morant. Couldn't rebound the ball. 61 of 41. My goodness. Did you want to see Tristan Thompson at the end? You kind of did. But at the very end, I mean, he wasn't out there. He had Vooch and Derek Jones Jr. And they couldn't rebound the ball. He only played 16 minutes, did Thompson. That's why you brought him here. I know he's not going to help out offensively, but you clearly needed help defensively and rebounding. I don't know, man. Some questionable decision-making from Billy Donovan in that game. And honestly, this is the first time I've really been critical of him because he's been solid thus far up to this point. But that was a bad stretch out of Donovan. I'll say that. And that happens. It's inevitable. It's a long season. Mistakes are going to occur. But in a big game like that, you just can't have it. And it happened. Now, what also stunk about this game was Vooch, right? I mean, plain and simple. You can't win a game like this or expect to win a game like this when Vooch, who's supposed to be one of your top scorers, goes 5 of 17 from the floor, 0 of 5 from beyond the arc, 1 of 2 from the charity stripe, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, had a minus 18 plus minus. Come on, Booch. I mean, this is why you're getting criticism every other game. You go on this hot streak, but as soon as the Bulls start getting relatively healthier, meaning Levine at least is back in the mix, he just completely diminishes. His productivity just goes nowhere. I mean, it's just not there. And if you're not scoring offensively, you gotta step up on the defensive side of the floor, my man. You can't get out-rebounded. I get it. Steven Adams is a monster. But you gotta be productive you got to contribute somehow. If you can't hit even one damn three, you're 5 of 17 from the floor. Dude, come on. This is why it's been very frustrating. I love Booch. I thought it was a great acquisition, as did everyone else, and as should everyone else have th uh, should have thought that and still should because you know what he's capable of. He went on that great streak, but he seems to only do that when you really need him to in the sense that, okay, Booch, you have to be a part of this offense. Not, all right, Booch, you're like a option three here going to Rosen Levine and then oh yeah Vooch is there I, what do you got maybe you got to get him involved early in the offensive scheming I, I maybe that's got to be it because you what you see is what you get with them defensively and rebounding wise right hence why you bring on Tristan Thompson but offensively because if he's not going to be successful on that side of the floor with rebounding or defense you got to get him out there offensively and he just didn't do squat with it and when it comes to postseason games, 
He needs to step up. He needs to be scoring, ideally, like 15 points a game at least. No, you don't have to get a double-double every time. It's kind of expected, but man, 5 of 17? Inexcusable. And he knows it. Everybody knows it. That could have been the difference. A lot of things could have been the difference in this game. But look, at the end of the day, we could sit on this. We could harp on it. You had the time to do it. It stunk. But at least the Bulls had a comeback at the end. It wasn't a complete blowout. That would have really killed just momentum for the Bulls. Uh, DeRozan's MVP candidacy a little bit just as it was picking up huge steam. But man, you let John Morant embarrass you on your home floor. That's going to be what is remembered from that game. That along with the fact that you can't beat teams that are successful in this league. Bulls, a combined 1-10 in 10 against the six other teams that started this past week with a winning percentage of better than 600. Phoenix, they've lost one. Golden State, they've lost twice. Memphis, they've lost twice. Utah, they beat once. Miami, they've lost twice, who they have tonight. In Philadelphia, you have lost three times. It's getting bad. And you can make the excuses of the Bulls not being healthy. You could make that for the Grizzlies game going, hey, if we had Caruso or Lonzo Ball, they could have limited Morant more so. And I believe it. And I honestly do think if they were both playing, the Bulls probably win that game. And that's okay to think that. But it just can't keep consistently happening. Because injuries do happen, but you got to find a way to fight around it. The Bulls, they've done that, so to speak, absolutely. Hence why they're at the top of the conference in the East. DeRozan's in the MVP conversation. But of course, a lot of that is coming off of close wins to inferior opponents. You got to make your mark. And it can start tonight against the Heat. Miami opened up as a three-point road favorite. Total at 225.5 was the opener. So, and honestly, I'm not even surprised by this. The momentum has gone toward Miami, right? The spread is going in their favor as high as four and a half. That's where we're seeing it now at Bet Rivers. The Heat are four and a half point road favorites. Money line minus 175. Bulls plus 143. Total has moved down to 222. I'm an idiot. This game is not at the United Center, it's in Miami. But regardless, Miami is a four and a half point road or home favorite. Jeez, I'm my bad. Tougher game in general, even if it was at the United Center. Because honestly, looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I still think the Heat would be a favorite at the United Center. They're a deeper team. They have beaten you twice already. And they've got a lot of momentum coming into this spot. The Heat have won their last three games. Bulls, as we know, coming off a loss. The Heat now have a one-game lead over the Bulls in the Eastern Conference. Miami dominant team at their home floor, too. Just like the Bulls. And the Bulls road splits, well, we know they're not that great. But can they get the job done tonight? Can they bounce back from their mistakes on Saturday and really get back into that good conversation of being a top team? Now, if they can beat the Heat tonight, everything is erased from Saturday. But if they go out there and they just get smacked, you know the narrative is going to shift now. It is. Because then it's the stretch is getting tougher. Then you get the Bucks, Then you get the Sixers. I mean, we knew the stretch was going to be difficult. But you got to at least take advantage of a couple teams here, guys. But yeah, the Bulls 15 and 13 on the road. Heat 20 and 7 at home. No Kyle Lowry for the Heat. That's actually pretty big because he had 19.6 assists the first game against the Bulls. Then 16 points and 14 assists in the second game. Now as for the Bulls, Vooch is day-to-day. -day. More than likely, he's probable and is going to go. But remember the first two matchups for the Bulls in the Heat. Now, the first game, both teams were relatively healthy. So the Bulls lost 107-104 versus Miami. That next game, both teams were really injured, and the Heat just smacked them down at home 118-92. They didn't have DeRozan, Kobe White, or DeSumo, but I don't think they had Butler and Adebayo for that second game as well. What's fascinating about what has occurred in these first two games as someone who sticks out is Duncan Robinson. Yes, the lethal three-point shooter, at least against the Bulls. He's averaging 21 points in two games against Chicago. He averages 11.4 overall this season, but 21 against the Bulls. Sounds about right. 
Okay. Oh, also really quick, Markeith Morris is out for the Heat too, aside from Kyle Lowry. So again, this thing opened as low as three, now as high as four, is, uh, four and a half. Total open 225 and a half, as low as 223. I actually agree with the movement going down on the total to 223. Would I bet the under? If I had to, if you were putting the gun to my head, yes, I would bet the under. But I still just think you can't actually put money on it, especially now that the line has moved two and a half points to the under with this Bulls defense and how they just played against the Grizzlies. No chance. But Miami does have a good defense themselves, and that's what's important to note when you're looking to handicap this. So we always talk about the Bulls offense. They're very good. It's a reason they're winning these games despite their inept defensive ability. They're fourth offensively in points per possession is Chicago and fifth in offensive effective field goal percentage, okay? But Miami defensively, they're fifth in defensive points per 100 possessions, allowing just 108. In defensive effective field goal percentage, they rank 14th at 52.6%. Furthermore, only uh, Miami's only allowing 27.7% of their opponent's shots to come from mid-range. That's 7th best in the NBA. And of those amount of shots, their opponents are making 41.5% of their mid-range shots. That's 12th best. Not great, but fairly solid, right? Why is that important? Because collectively as a unit, the Bulls' most volume of shot attempts come from mid-range. And if Miami defends that pretty well, it's going to be a tough outing for the Bulls, presumably. But let's look at Miami's offense. Where do they thrive? Well, collectively as a unit, 38% of Miami's shots come from beyond the arc. They're making 38% of them, which is, well, third best in the NBA, which is bad for the Bulls considering they are third worst in defending the three, 28th out of 30 teams. Bulls are allowing opponents to make about 37% of their shots from deep, 28th in the association. Heat have the third best three-point offense. Could be a recipe for a disaster for Chicago. But maybe the Bulls can take advantage in some other areas. Well, let's look at the half-court offense. Bulls rank fourth in half-court points per play, uh, but the Heat can counter it. They're fifth in defensive points per play in the half-court set. Offensively, Heat are 12th in points per play in the half-court set. You would think, all right, not bad. Well, but the Bulls are 20th defensively with their half-court defense. So everything kind of evens out in favor of Miami in a sense. Like, even if the Bulls are really good, Miami can counter it. And then even if the Heat aren't that great in, in a category, the Bulls are just that much worse. Transition offense. Bulls are second in transition offense. Hey, here's a discrepancy. Uh, the Heat are 22nd in transition defense. But wait a minute. <laughs> the Heat are number one in transition offense. The Bulls are 26 in transition defense. So there's really not a clear-cut advantage in any capacity for this Bulls team. What you hope for is you hope DeRozan can do DeRozan things. You're probably going to need him to score 33-plus. You're going to need Levine to get about 26-plus. You're going to need Kobe White to knock down some threes and play some valuable minutes. You're going to need Ayo Desumu to be a facilitator to play some good defense, to bounce back from arguably his worst performance with no points, no defense on Saturday night. And absolutely, you will need Nikola Vucevic to not get bullied, bodied, and embarrassed by Bam Adebayo. Now, I think Bam only had nine points to one game he played against the Bulls, but look, Vuce really uh, didn't do too great against Miami himself. Seven points the first game, 10 points the second game. In the second game, there was no Bam, and he's only getting 10 points inexcusable Vooch you can't falter and quiver in these big moments do your job play your role and play to your all-star ability that we know you are capable of but that you refuse to do in big moments and on a consistent basis this team needs you man and there's no better time to do it than tonight at Miami it is imperative that you show up and show out you need to get at least 15 or more points. Does that mean I think he's going to do it? Probably not. But he needs to if the Bulls want to have any hope to winning this game. You got to limit Bam offensively. But you also have to contribute offensively yourself and not make Bam put you into, like, just, just coddle you, right? I mean, make you his child. Like, you can't have him alpha you in this game. 
which every other big man you practically go against, that's what they do to you. It's time to step up, dude. And I know he's a little bit banged up, so it's the expectations aren't going to be too high. But that's a recipe for the Bulls to win this game and win games and big moments in general. Lavina DeRozan can do so much, and it's great. And obviously, they need to perform well to win, but consistently you can rely on that. You cannot with Nikola Vucevic, unfortunately. Same with Kobe White, though, too. He needs to be off the bench providing points. And he hit a big shot against the Grizzlies. They put him in instead of Io because he was getting better or he was fighting through the screens more efficiently, said Billy Donovan. So Kobe White's earning his minutes, earning his time for sure. Vooch, are you? Let's see it. And if it's not Vooch, well, hopefully Tristan Thompson can limit the offense of Miami and what Bam Adebayo and company can do. But you got to limit Jimmy Butler, of course. Kyle Lowry being out is a benefit to the Bulls, naturally. Tyler Hero, well, you can't have Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson just killing you from deep, which seems impossible to limit them based on your defense. But it's just like everything has to fall into place, basically, for this Bulls team to win, it feels like. Does that mean I'm running to bet against them? Not necessarily. Obviously, as a Bulls fan, I want to root for them. But if you're looking for my objective take here, yes, I think Miami wins. No, I don't want to lay four and a half with them. But it could be just a dominant showing from the Heat tonight, guys. It could. It absolutely could. The Bulls could get into a spot where they're trailing by double digits again, and they just don't have enough gas in the tank to fight back after the emotional loss on Saturday. But they could go to the route of responding tough, right? They're pissed off. They know how bad they've done against top teams. They know what people are talking about it. Saying they don't believe this team is for real. Saying they, they can't compete with the big boys. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong tonight. But again, I, I do lean with the Heat. The Heat probably get the job done. But let's hope that they don't. Let's just hope they don't. Let's just hope the Bulls can finally get an impressive win on the road nonetheless against a team above you in the Eastern Conference standings. Because man, those Sixers guys are looking pretty good now with Harden coming over. And MVP odd-wise, odds-wise, well, Embiid's still dropping 35-plus despite Harden coming to the team. You got to finish above the Sixers. You got to get a top seed in the East. And you got to play this Heat team very, very well. Almost perfect. But let's look at some props that we can get involved with for this game. Speaking of Nikola Vucevic, how can we make some money off of what we believe he is going to do tonight? Well, looking at his points, rebounds, and assists, what caught my eye to begin, 31.5 is the number. Pretty low for Vooch, but the expectation's low. 34.5 is typically what we see more so in this range, or for this bet. He's averaging 18 points per game, 11.7 rebounds per game, along with 3.5 assists. He's gone over this combination bet in 31 out of 54 games. Pretty damn good. But since the All-Star break... He's gotten 12 points and 11 points respectively, 10 and 12 rebounds, and 3 and 0 assists. So against Atlanta, he got 25 points, rebounds, and assists combined. Not really close to this prop 31 and a half. Versus Memphis, his combination altogether of points, rebounds, and assists concluded with 23. Even worse. It just seems like when Levine is back in the mix, when... The stage is bigger and brighter and has more pressure. He falters. That's just a trend. And again, folks, when you're going against a solid big or a solid team, he just doesn't show up. The one time he did was against the Sixers in the last game, but it's because he had to, right? They had no other scoring options. So that's why you got to get him involved early. Nevertheless, first game versus Miami went 3-9 from the floor, 0-3 from beyond the arc, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, but just 7 points, 23 combined points, rebounds, and assists. Ain't going to cut it. You lost by 3. At Miami, no Bam, no Jimmy, no Vooch. Oh, except he was playing. It just felt like he wasn't there. 3-15 of 15 from the floor. I repeat, 3-15 of 15 from the floor. One of four from beyond the arc. Eight rebounds, two assists, ten points. My goodness, Vooch, come on, man. Twenty combined points, rebounds, and assists. I get it. It's a past memory. It's all the way behind. 
But you're telling me you couldn't drop 20-plus without BAM against you? Jeez. And you think it's going to somehow get better now that the Heat have pretty much everybody but Lowry? <laughs> no chance. 44% of his shots come from mid-range. He's making 45% of them. Uh, Miami, they're limiting opponents to making 41.5% of their shots from mid-range. We talked about this. 12th best in the NBA. Now, again, Bam is going to be matched up against him. We know Adebayo is a very good defender. Minus 7.7 .7 points allowed to his defender per every 100 possessions. That puts him in the 93rd percentile. Very good. He's a very good defender. It's going to be a tough night for Vooch. But I'm not necessarily in love with betting his under points, rebounds, and assists at 31.5. It is a lot lower than what it typically is. And if the ball does bounce his way, despite him sometimes being weak in this stat, uh, he could rack up a lot of rebounds or maybe facilitate it with some assists. So, of course, that could kind of screw you if you do the combination bet. But I feel pretty comfortable with his points prop. It's varying anywhere from 16.5 to 17.5. I found a 17.5. If you only have 16.5 available, I would still look toward the under if the price is even money. But I'm willing to lay a little bit more for that extra point. Trust me, it makes a difference. 17.5 is his points prop. Over is even money. Under is minus 125 for Vooch. Again, he's averaging 18 points per game. However, he's only gone over this mark in 26 out of 54 games with the number set at 17.5 points. Remember, compared to the points, rebounds, and assists, he has gone over that mark in 31 out of 54 games. But I want to fade him. I think it's a terrible matchup for him tonight. So instead of doing the one, instead of betting one of these props under that has done it more successfully, being the points, rebounds, and assists, why wouldn't I do it with the one he has had trouble overcoming more often, being the points? Instead of doing points, rebounds, and assists, which he's gone over in 31 out of 54 games, I will elect to do just his points, which he has only gone over in 26 out of 54 games. Again, guys, seven points versus Miami the first time, 10 points the second game on the road against Miami, and they did not have Bam Adebayo in that game. The last two games combined, here are his stats. The last two games, post-All-Star break. 9 of 30 from the floor. 9 of 30 from the floor. 0 of 7 from beyond the arc. 5 of 6 from the charity stripe. 23 total points in two games altogether. He's in a slump. It's two games. I get it. But this is what happens. This is the trend with Vooch. It needs to change. I hope it change, changes. But until it does, until I can trust it, why not try to make some coin on it by riding that wave? So for that reason, I'm taking his under 17.5 points at minus 125. If he's going to kind of hinder our chances and confidence in betting the Bulls altogether, well, let's make a profit on him having a lack of success on the offensive side of the floor. So I'm going to play Vooch under 17.5 points at minus 125. Again, if you see 16.5 and, and the under is even money, I don't hate that either. Tough assignment against Bam. Tough team overall where he struggles. And now that the Bulls have Levine back, I don't know what it is. He just can't figure it out offensively. I hope he does. You know what? On it, I'm not saying I hope I lose my bet. I hope he stays under and the Bulls win would be a great scenario. But I want him to prove me wrong. I want him to be a consistent 17-plus point type of guy. But you can only want so much, and you can only get so many things to come to fruition. And I don't think this is going to be one of them, at least for tonight. Let's talk about Jimmy Butler this evening. Jimmy Butler has a points prop of 23.5. I think this is a little steep. The over is even money. The under is minus 127. Now, Butler this year is averaging 22 points per game, but he's only gone over 23.5 points in 16 out of 42 games. And at Chicago, because he played against the Bulls just once, at Chicago, when 6 of 15 from the floor, 0 of 4 from beyond the arc, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, only ended up with 18 points. Look for Jimmy, 47% of his shots come from mid-range, 43% come at the rim. We know how bad the Bulls are defensively, 
but where they really stink is from defending the three. We know that. They're actually fairly decent defending the spots that Jimmy has a majority of his shot attempts from. They limit opponents to making just 40% of their shots from mid-range, which is fifth best. And then 63.4% at the rim, which is seventh best. So overall, Jimmy's not really a consistent offensive threat in the first place. He doesn't need to be a lot of times. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Against the Bulls, you probably don't. And even if he needed to more so, because of where his top shot selections are, it's more of a benefit to go with the under, in my opinion, because that's actually where the Bulls have some success defensively. Now, if you get Levine matched up on him, I think that's a pretty good spot to take his under. Levine's gotten better as a defender. If he's putting his energy forward, he can be a solid defender. DeRozan, well, you know, it picks and chooses when DeRozan needs to step up. But I got more faith if they got Levine matched up on him. I think Jimmy Butler will be more of a facilitator in this game. The total's already trending under. And where he thrives offensively, the Bulls do pretty well defensively. So I think they can counter it efficiently enough. And I'm going to bet Jimmy Butler under 23.5 points minus 127. So that's the second prop I'm rolling with. Let me get you the third and final one. Duncan Robinson. I already told you he's averaging 21 points in two games against the Bulls. So his points prop is 10.5. You think that's kind of crazy, right? Well, just because he's done it twice doesn't mean he's guaranteed to do it a third time. He's gone over 10.5 points in 27 out of 58 games this year, averaging over 11 points per game this season. At Chicago, first game, 6 of 14 from the floor, 4 of 3, or excuse me, 4 of 11 from 3, 16 points altogether. Next game versus Chicago, 9 of 13 from the floor, 5 of 9 from deep, 3 of 3 from the free throw line. The man ended up with 26 points. He doesn't do that very often, if at all. But against the Bulls, he does. But before we rush to bet the over 10.5 points, considering we know where the Bulls slack defensively and what kind of player Duncan Robinson is offensively, you know where I'm going with this. Let's find a better opportunity to make a bet. And that's going to be with his three-point field goals made. The number's 2.5. The under's minus 127, and the over is even money. I wouldn't have been surprised if they put this at three and a half. But when I saw it at two and a half, I was like, oh, okay, nice. But the over is probably a pretty big favorite, right? No. The under is the favorite minus 127. You're telling me you're giving or you're allowing me to bet this over at even money, considering he's gone over it twice already versus Chicago, and Chicago has the third worst three-point defense? He's averaging, being Duncan Robinson, he's averaging three threes made on 8.3 attempts per game. He's gone over two and a half three-point field goals made in 28 out of 58 games, and he's gone over it both versus the Bulls. We know this. But guys, when we talk about shot selection, I mean, we look at DeRozan from mid-range. Over 70% of his shots come from there, and we're like, wow, that's a lot. Well, Duncan Robinson, 84% of his shots come from three. Guys, that's in the 99th percentile. That's at the top of the list. He's making 36% of them, but he's taken a lot of attempts from there. So that's why the amount he's actually connecting on isn't as high per se. The Bulls, again, allowing opponents to make about 37% of their shots from deep. And a way you can look at it too, if you kind of like his points over 10 and a half, well, realistically... If he's going to get over 10.5 points, he's probably going to make over two threes. That's what happened in the first two games against the Bulls. Four threes, 16 points. Second game, five threes, 26 points. So if he, realistically, if you think he's going to go over 10.5 points, it's going to be correlated with him getting at least three threes, you would imagine. So for that reason, why wouldn't you bet the two and a half threes over at a price of even money as opposed to laying minus 113 with his points over 10 and a half. And also, he could make three threes and still stay under 10 and a half points. He could end up with nine points and one or two from the charity stripe and get you 10 points and you're still under. So the point is, if you think Duncan Robinson can go off again against the Bulls, 
the better opportunity is to do three-point field goals made over two and a half because of the price that even money because over what 85 or about 85 percent of his shot attempts come from there and the bulls are terrible at defending it the better bang for your buck if you want to get involved with duncan robinson is to get him over two and a half threes at the price of even money if it was minus 113 each way then you can make the case for his points if his shot selection had a little bit more diversification, then you can make the case for going over 10.5 points. But if he's going over 10.5 points, more often than not, it's because he's made at least three three-pointers. So I will bet that over 2.5 three-point field goals made at even money for Duncan Robinson. That's my third and final official prop I'm playing tonight. I did really quick want to talk about Zach Levine's just in case anybody was curious. I'm not going to bet it, but he did have a really good game against Miami. Again, it was when they had no Jimmy Butler, though. He dropped 33 points. First game when they were healthy, he only dropped 16. But he's averaging about 24.6 points per game this season. He has gone over 23.5 points in 29 out of 49 games. And the over is even money. We know that 37% of his shots come from beyond the arc. He's making 40% of them from three. Very solid. Miami is allowing opponents to make 35% of their shots from three-point land. That's 10th. 65 0.4% from the rim, that's 19th, and 41.5% from mid-range. And Zach Levine, I mean, 33% of his shots come at the rim, so if you think he could really attack the bucket, then maybe he can pad those numbers enough to get over 23.5. I would lean over with Levine, not in love with it enough to bet it, though. With DeRozan, he's still at 30.5. Guys, I, I want to bet DeRozan over as much as the next person. And we want to think he's Superman and he's invincible and can keep doing this. And look, he probably can. But against a good defensive team, they put Jimmy Butler on him. It's going to be a tough assignment. I would bet under or nothing, honestly, for DeRozan's prop. But you got to envision, too. Look, if DeRozan is drawing the assignment of Jimmy Butler, could absolutely open up the door for Zach Levine to go off. So that's why you should also maybe consider Levine over 23.5 points. Even money, solid price. Just something to keep an eye out for. But overall, in summation, I'm going Duncan Robinson over two and a half three-point field goals made at even money. Jimmy Butler under 23 and a half points, minus 127. And Nikola Vucevic under 17 and a half points at the price of minus 125. Best of luck with whatever you play in this game. Let's go Bulls, baby. We're rooting for it. They need it. We need it for DeRozan MVP, and we're hoping for it. So let's hope for a big game, guys. Uh, let's talk a little bit of football next. A former bald head coach of the Bears finds a new landing spot. I didn't get to talk about it on Friday, so let's address that as we round out a Monday edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience Rush Pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at betrivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler. 1 800 Okay, folks, you thought maybe you'd get a year off at least of uh, not hearing of a particular man's name, but it didn't take long for him to get scooped up once again in the National Football League, and that is one Matt Nagy, the former head coach of the Chicago Bears, hired back by his former squad, the Kansas City Chiefs, as senior assistant and quarterback coach. I had a Chiefs friend who texted me saying, oh, Nagy's going to ruin everything. Relax, it'll be okay. Look, he's not making the play calling. He's going to go back to where he was thriving originally, pretty much. And he replaces Mike Kafka, who left the Chiefs to become the OC for the New York Giants. Now, I get it. He was OC Matt Nagy last time with the Chiefs. But bieniemy has got that role for at least another year. Having Matt Nagy back on the staff absolutely will not hurt this team. It could only make him better. It can. Look, just because a guy fails as a head coach doesn't mean he's going to fail in everything else. Head coach is the pinnacle of that career path, right? And it'd be like, I mean, take Isaiah Thomas, for example, right? Not old Isaiah Thomas, but 
little guy, Isaiah Thomas, who's currently playing basketball in the G League. He had a hot streak in the NBA, right? He had that run with the Celtics. It was great. Everybody loved him. Matt Nagy, that was how he was in his first year, right? Everybody loved him. Coach of the year, great. But then you got a bigger sample size of him. Then people started to figure him out with Isaiah Thomas. That happened in the NBA after that big streak. Not as valuable, not as successful. Same thing happened with Matt Nagy. All right, you get demoted. Nagy, you get fired. You go as a chief senior assistant and quarterback coach. Isaiah Thomas, well, you drop down to the G League. Well, Isaiah Thomas is thriving in the G League. I mean, he's dropping like 40-plus points. I don't know how many times, but I keep seeing his numbers stack up, and people are going, why isn't this man on the roster? He's healthy. He's dominant. He's playing very well. Because not as much pressure is on him to be a top scorer like it was in the NBA after he set those expectations after that nice streak. And the, comp the competition is not as fierce. And you can rely on other guys to help you out more so. Okay, well that's the same thing as Matt Nagy. The competition isn't as fierce and you don't have as much pressure. Maybe not the competition as much, but you don't have as much pressure, everything weighing on your shoulders when you're a senior assistant and quarterback coach like you do when you're head coach. Like Isaiah Thomas did when he was a top scorer with Boston. Now he doesn't have as much pressure and he could just let it fly, do his thing, show his talent in the G League. An easier area to succeed. That's Matt Nagy going back in this position with the Chiefs. He will be fine. He will be a big benefit because he's still a bright mind. There was a reason he was hired as a head coach. He just wasn't cut out for it. But that doesn't mean he can't thrive and be a huge benefit to the Chiefs in that position. And I think he will, and we wish him the best of luck, except if he's playing the Bears. But, yeah, that's the latest news with Nagy. So, Nagy, going back to the Chiefs, Ryan Pace going to the Falcons. And now new eras all throughout have begun. Should be exciting soon. We got the Combine coming up. We've got a free agency about to start. Excited to see what Poles and company do. Aaron Rodgers, what the hell is Aaron Rodgers going to do? We still don't know, but we're waiting to see, I think, what, Tuesdays? He goes on the Pat McAfee show. So the assumption for some people or from some people is that he's going to make that announcement during the show. And it seems like the consensus agreement as of this point is that he is going to remain with Green Bay. We talked about it last week. They're clearing up cap space. He's not technically a free agent, and the destinations the Packers would want to trade him to are probably very minuscule. And who knows if they're even going to get the appropriate package back in return. So again, originally, I thought he's done with the Packers. He'd retire or go somewhere else. But my thoughts have altered a decent amount, and honestly, it does seem like he will return. It's an easier division. The Packers can clear up enough space, and they're not rebuilding. Then it makes sense for him to stay. But if they're not, then that's going to be the reason he wants to force himself out. But if they're going, hey, Aaron, we're doing this with the cat face. We're doing that. We can get you for at least this one year with another solid roster. That makes sense why he would stay in an easy NFC North. So if that's what's happening in the side of financials and cap space, then yes, I believe he will stay. If not, well, I think he retires or demands a trade. But hopefully we find out tomorrow so we don't have all the charade of pondering about it. It's going to affect, it's a domino effect big time depending on what Rodgers does because it affects the Broncos. It maybe affects the 49ers, the Saints, the Steelers, the Bucks, any team who's kind of in the market for a quarterback, right? And it affects free agency moves. So a lot of things fall into place after Aaron Rodgers makes his decision. And it could be as soon as tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll cover it. And regardless of if he is with the Packers, folks, it's not the end of the world for the Bears. There's only broader horizons as of this point. You can only go up if you're the Bears. Hopefully. Of course, he could get worse. But you got to imagine, based on what you saw with what Matt Nagy was doing and the fact that the Bears still could play some games competitive and get some wins, that Eberflus and company with Ryan Poles as GM, I have more faith in this team. The more I'm thinking about it, to be honest with you, I think this offense is going to take a very big step forward. Poles, I trust him to get enough good guys in the trenches. You don't have to get a stellar man in the first round. So even though the Bears don't have top picks, you can either get it through free agency 
or you can build deeper in the draft. I have faith in polls to do that with not only offensive linemen, but speedy and efficient receivers. That will be the Bears' target, those two areas. And I think Poles can do it very well. We haven't seen him do it himself, but he's been a part of programs that have done it consistently. So why wouldn't he take those big swings right away with the team that has a decent amount of cap space? So I got hope. I got expectations, not that they'll win the division, but that they can compete for a wild card spot in the postseason. Vikings, I think, are going to be actually pretty damn good with an offensive mindset in their coaching staff. I really like that move by the Vikings. Getting O'Connell from the Rams. That, I think, is going to be viable. So they'll be scary, too. you got to overcome Kirk Cousins. It's going to be tough. The NFC North is going to get tougher. The Lions were improving. The Bears made necessary changes. They're going to improve. And the Vikings can actually be a legit threat now if the coaching staff can be competent. Which we have seen the Sean McVay tree be now pretty much everywhere else but that's the latest out of the nfl world that kind of affects us here in the windy city so again we'll keep you updated tomorrow but right now we're just going to be sweating out this bulls game tonight hopefully we get a nice old dub here we can feel better about this team despite them losing to the grizzlies they can get an impressive win against the top team they need it we need it we want it we love it let's get that dub baby all right, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Folks, remember, follow me on Twitter for all my links to other shows at Danny Burke 5. Always appreciate it if you like and subscribe to this podcast so you get notified right away when the show is released. And be sure to check out Rush Hour on VEASAN Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN.com, the Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, and iHeartRadio wherever you get your podcasts available. All right, until tomorrow, folks, best of luck with your plays. Go Bulls and take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.